Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Welcome, Pudding People, to another exciting adventure down Pudding Pathways. Pudding Pathways. We should be careful with the phrasing on that one. But we have, uh, we have a fun one for you today. We've got a couple of topics that have been rolling around in our brains for, for just a little while, and we kind of want to know what uh, what's going to unfold for some things and uh, kind of what some people's opinions are on it. We're in a very strange time right now, and businesses are changing, and what makes money is not necessarily the same thing as it was before, and the, the, the way that uh, companies operate is is potentially shifting. So we're going to talk a little bit about some businesses that uh, are taking advantage of the changes that are going on and uh, some that are maybe not. Um, Then we're going to spotlight some music, uh, things that are important uh, to us in some way, shape, or form, important to a lot of people, uh, uh, arguably um, a a really key piece of music creation uh, for that artist or for the genre. And we will be traveling down 2008 with the best of comic book movies in comic book movie history. Right, Richard? When you say the best, you mean the best. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about the spirit in 2008. So, Richard, how fair is everything in your in your ongoing struggle to stay in your house? Um, things are going well. Um, you're right. I'm, I'm really, so here, here's kind of my thought process on this. So since March we've, and as most people have, we've, we've hung out at home and we don't do much, um, in terms of purchasing things like most folks do, you just buy it. You can buy things online, have them shipped. If you want groceries, uh, there are means for you to not have to go to the grocery store and walk around the aisles. Um, you know, we go, we put an order in, you go, and they just put it in your car, done. So you don't actually have to go into a lot of these places. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about is now that a lot of folks across the country, across the world are doing that is what are some of the, I don't know, odd, oddball industries or maybe the industry that's not an oddball but I've seen like an, an, an uptick that maybe you haven't thought about or maybe is, oh my gosh, maybe these folks might be hiring right now because they're so so inundated with extra business. And, you know, it's, it's easy to think of businesses uh, like all the delivery businesses, right? Yeah. You know, whether it's UPS, FedEx, well, yeah, they're busy. Uh, the things like DoorDash or Grubhub, yeah, they're hiring thousands of people. Uh, that makes sense. That's not... That's not a mystery, right? But, you know, one of the things that we were discussing briefly was, well, what about the garbage, the sanitation industry, right? So everybody's staying at home and everybody is doing more at home, producing more trash. And a lot of recycling places aren't open. So unless you got capacity to store two months worth of recyclable goods in your house you can't really do the same recycling anymore so that those are a a couple things that i had noticed maybe a swing in the industry Mm. you're doing more cleaning you're getting rid of more stuff at home you're producing more trash now of course businesses are producing much less much much fewer large things of trash they might have stopped their trash service altogether at some of these businesses so like that that trash sanitation business it's not like why would you think about that nowadays? But for a lot of folks, that's an important thing that is just overlooked and not thought about. I don't know. I, I don't know if everybody has that same kind of uh, impact on the, the trash side of things. Like before the COVID thing happened, um, we would put out trash maybe once every three weeks. We didn't produce a lot. We went to the recycling center once every week or two to take in glass and cardboard and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as trash, trash, we just, we just didn't generate a whole lot. And our habits, even though we are doing more internally, haven't really changed all that much. We're definitely putting out our trash every week now because we kind of have to. 
we we had enough space to maybe do about a month of storage of recycling, hoping that we would get the chance to take it in. And it just never happened. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're having to adjust things. Um, but I don't know if it's affecting every way, everyone in the same kind of way. Um, and does this really mean more profit, even if it did, even if there's more trash? Does that really mean more money for the trash companies or uh, actually more uh, more uh, outgoing resources to take care of what was already there? Because I, I don't I don't think we're paying any more monthly for our trash service. Yeah, but in all these retail locations and all these restaurants that would have a, you know, a, a roll off or some type of dumpster that they would get emptied three times a week. Are they one even doing that once a week or have they suspended that service? So like, I, I just have, why would I, why think about that? I don't know, but it's just an interesting aspect to think about it. And then the recycling piece, we're in the same boat uh, where we're at, our trash service doesn't do recycling. So we'd collect the cans and the cardboard and all those things, and we would take them to the recycling center that is just a couple miles down the road. Very easy. Uh, that's a that's a county-run, that's a government entity, and it's not open, hasn't been open. You can take your trash there, but you can't do any of the recycling stuff. So the habit has changed. I was, I, like, I always have this weird and call call me a liberal crazy person what you will I don't know it's just when you have an aluminum can and you throw it in the garbage that is an odd feeling to me mm -hmm. like you should be doing something other than throwing it in the garbage a cardboard box because you got something shipped to you you shouldn't be breaking it down and throwing it in the garbage you should be breaking it down and recycling it when you can do that but we can't right now so like these habits of all what we're used to with something as simple as recycling it's still like when i like i can't put this styrofoam cup anywhere other than the trash i i can't i don't have any room to collect garbage anymore i've got Tons of cans and boxes and stuff already stacked up in the garage. I have no more room for any of this stuff. So it just, I have that weird feeling when I throw away a can. I shouldn't be throwing it away. I shouldn't be. Well, there's an additional complication. It's not so much of a financial one as what you kind of bring up. We don't, we're, we're trying to be responsible. The fact that we shouldn't be burdened with this responsibility in the first place, it should have been the corporate entities that aren't trying to pinch pennies and and save on packaging so that they can you know line their pockets rather than being more environmentally friendly they should have been introducing uh, better ways to take care of things I mean like think back to the 50s man uh, coca-cola it came in bottles and not in plastic bottles are recyclable why not keep doing that instead of the plastic that's just going to cause a problem? I mean, at least cardboard's biodegradable. Um, glass can be recycled. Metal can be recycled. But that, that plastic, even the styrofoam, there's, there's a question of how much recycling that really is getting done. A lot of it's just going overseas. So, if, or at least if it was. If I understand right, the glass, glass is actually one of the hardest things to do recycling in terms of the, the the processing plants that do it. Uh -huh. So glass is a very, very difficult material to recycle. I don't know why. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But it's a it, it and it like other items too, if you have glass and you put it in the dirt, it doesn't break down. No. Like it just it stays there. So like it's in a, in a sense Plastic is made from petroleum, right? Plastic doesn't break down. Well, not really. Not for a few thousand still, years. Yeah, yeah. So it, it doesn't break down either. Uh, I, I'll, you know, aluminum. Aluminum would. I mean, it would take a long time. But eventually it would. But all the aluminum cans are lined with plastic. <laughs> so it's just like that. that whole transaction 
to me is one of the things that I've noticed that is a normal everyday occurrence that doesn't impact me, let's say, financially. It doesn't create a new business, but it definitely alters the landscape of how things should be. And I know there's other ones. Are there any that you can think of or had thought about over the past couple months or like, I bet those guys are doing okay. Well, kind of like what you're you're talking about. There's a lot more, a lot more delivery that's going on. Um, I have to wonder if I don't know about more, but less. I, I'm concerned about um, some of the support structure for uh, automotive needs. Like uh, right now, I'm sitting on about 19% oil. I am not the guy that knows how to change my own oil. It's just never happened. I'm not good at it. I don't have tools. Uh, don't really want to become good at it. That's, that's not my bag. Um, I want to get my oil changed. The place that changes my oil has been closed. So, okay. Uh, YouTube. Oh, right. I'm going to have to do something eventually here. Uh, at least it's not too bad, but I filled up my car in March. I'm at three quarters of a tank. Oh, yeah. my uh, We have two cars, uh, one that I primarily drive, one that my wife primarily drives. And when we went on vacation, we got the oil changed and we came back from vacation. That's been the car that we've been doing all of the errands in it's the one that's if you're going to say it's getting contaminated it's the one that's been getting quote contaminated so uh it's 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 probably due for an oil change at this point in time but the other car it's sat in the it's sat in the garage since the beginning of march and has zero miles i've started it and ran it for a couple minutes a few times but for the past two months nothing like no usage no mile no no absolutely nothing actually the most usage um i have gotten out of that car is using it as the mazda studios for podcast recording <laughs> uh, but you know that the thought process on that and i've seen some of the some of the industry some of the companies that do insurance right so there's all state progressive and all these companies um some have said, okay, well, we're going to do credits for people because we know that you're, you're not driving and you're using your car. You're right. But how do they know? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's all those devices so, that they've given us to install in our vehicles so they can track everything. I mean, that's, that's true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my car doesn't get any use. And so the insurance premiums stay the same. Now, I, I well, so let's say something happens to the car, even – even if it's in the garage, you know, does that become an auto insurance claim or homeowner's insurance claim, right? I mean, that's an interesting little thing. But, but you're right. All the auto service pieces, I would think that those would be an essential business because if they're yeah. treating transportation for goods and services as essential, like if you got to get uh, food from point A to point B, right, Um you can't do that if those vehicles need serviced, right? So, right. so where where do you draw the line in the fact that so I'm not an essential worker, but those folks working hard in the hospitals mm -hmm. and in the grocery stores, they are. They've got to get to work every day, and most of those folks drive vehicles, and they're going to need maintenance. So that that see that's another that's a great one. It's a, who is doing the maintenance on their vehicles? No one? Are and, they just letting the wear and tear set in, or what's going on? Well, and how protected are they really being? Because let's say that we're doing things exactly the way that we need to be doing them, and only the essential workers are out there that are you know, going out and about, which we know isn't the case. There's a large number of people that are going to go out because they just they have to get out. they got to do something. They're going crazy being stuck in their house. They believe that this whole thing is a hoax or whatever. Um, but so you're the guy that's changing the oil or uh, doing any of the maintenance of the car, and a lot of it's under the hood. But you have to get into the cabin of the car. That's true. How do you protect yourself in that instance? A mask ain't going to do it. It's just Well, so I, I said mm -hmm. one of our vehicles we've been using as the, quote, 
like the duty vehicle, right? And our habits have been we, we there are multiple things of hand sanitizer in the vehicle. There are uh, multiple things of wipes in the vehicle, and we're lucky enough to have a garage. Not everybody has a garage. So we use that as a staging area. So if we do go out and purchase things, um, they sit in the garage. Our shoes will sit out in the garage. The clothes, if we need to, can sit out in the garage. Or they can go right in the door, right into the washing machine. Right. And so, you know, that 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 Hobbit, that Hobbit, uh, Hobbit, that's a, makes me think of uh, Elijah Wood and how poor he did. But anyway, uh, uh, that habit obviously has, changed for a lot of folks and not everybody has that capability but you're right we we were lucky we before everything kind of broke down we have kids the kids are dirty and they make messes and one was sick with well what we assume at this point was just the flu um and it's i think it was just regular but this was back in january and so we had all these things, the, uh, the wipes, we had cans of Lysol, we had, my, my family loves hand sanitizer, so we have like gallons of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it came time for us to go and purchase these, you can't find them anywhere, still can't find this stuff anywhere. We were lucky enough to have a stockpile of it already. So, you know, the, the car, we can go in the car and we can spray it with Lysol, for example. We have wipes and we can wipe down the steering wheel and all the things like that. But do other people care about that? Do other people yeah. have those habits? Do ever other people pay attention to that? And if you are a service industry that's going to open up that does those oil changes, do you take the initiative to not only have the gloves like you're like you most of these folks do anyway because they their hands are dirty from the grease yeah. and the oil and stuff like that so but do you take the extra step that after you have done all this work inside someone's car that you then take a a wipe or you take something a spray that you spray on a rag and wipe your the steering wheel and things down that you have handled in order to take care of the car right and then if you then if you do that did you tell the customer you did it and did you get consent for them to do that because those things could potentially harm the material that the car is constructed of? So it's this, I don't know. It's the silliest cluster compounding, compounding steps of things that I, I really feel for these businesses that have to develop these strategies. You know, it took a while for some businesses, but, uh, some have it down. If you go to Target, and I haven't been to Target, but if you go to Target, that place is, it is hardcore. Like, it's not like they only allow so many people in. Everybody's, the carts are cleaned. You have stations that you can stand at and do things. After those things are done, it gets cleaned before the next, and it gets just, bop, bop. it's Precision. a machine. It's a yeah. well-oiled machine. So, but what you know? What has that? What has that generated? Right. Um, in terms of employees at a, at a location like Target, did they have to hire more people? And those people do nothing but sanitize, right? Um, I know I've been to Aldi a couple times, and there's normally two people that work in Aldi, maybe three at one time. Now there's like six or seven, and they're always wiping down shelves and handles and doors and that'd be one of the most boring jobs of all time but important yeah if you are a a, you know a college kid and you're not getting unemployment and you need some money i mean if places are paying 10 bucks for you to sit and wipe down carts that's exciting yeah now speaking of elijah wood i saw the second movie he's credited in ever being in just the other day you uh, do you remember he was in Back to the Future Two? Oh, well, he must not have done anything because uh, thankfully he didn't ruin that. <laughs> he was one of the little kids at the video game in the in the future timeline, trying to get the uh, trying to figure out how the gun game worked. 
Wow. Well, cameo. You said that was the second one. Second one. I don't remember what the first one was. It was kind of a, a little throwaway, nothing roll, kind of like that one was. But uh, yeah. Uh, and I just have to say, it, it, it just made me smile a little bit seeing the gem that is Elijah Wood show up in one of my favorite movies. It's it's great. Oh. Uh, y- y- yes. Now, <laughs> I would now. I'm, uh, you can't polish a. Never mind. Um, but uh, yeah, Elijah Wood. He's got some work to do. He he's always got work because people like him. But back to the now, uh, back to the topic. I was say, what what prompted you to watch Back to the Future? Part two. Well, it's one of the businesses that is probably able to capitalize off of this being Netflix. They had the third Back to the Future on, and they finally put the first two on. I would think that this would be a good time to capitalize in some way, shape, or form. If I were in Netflix's area of the world, of the world I would look to be making a a, a um, strategic alliance with like AMC to, I mean, cause this, this whole fluff we talked about already uh, yeah. that you probably would have heard in the episode somewhat previous to this one, whenever it airs. Ha 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 ha. Sometimes we'll get to it eventually um, that AMC and universal have that little hubbub going on because Universal decided to do the direct-to-video. Well, what if AMC could take part of that direct-to-video? I would, as some of the streaming services, I would look to get in on that. Be that middleman. Make it so that these companies like Universal don't have to mess with that. They they got somebody to distribute it. Everybody still makes their money. That way, the backs that need to be scratched are scratched. And when we come out of this, the the theaters are still able to do what they need to do kind of a thing that would be my thought yeah and so there's a there's a new streaming service that should be out here well as we are recording this in the middle of may it will be out towards the end of may and that is hbo max right so another another pl- another big player in the game of streaming services they are so obviously they have agreements for things like Friends, right? Um, I want to say South Park. All those episodes are going to be on there, uh, but they have all the all the DC properties too, right? right? So right. all those all those DC movies, uh, the DC uh, live action series that they are going to start producing. They have produced some, right? So right, like Teen right. Titans, things like that. But those, that's uh, the that's short short lived Swamp Thing. <laughs> yes. Well received, I thought, too. Yeah. But uh, that's all going to be on HBO Max. So yet another player in this industry, a major player in this industry. Um, it's just it's interesting to see a lot of these players so like Disney Plus, for example, that is was scheduled to lose just so much money, a billion dollars. They knew it was going to lose all that money. Uh, and and that's that was part of the plan. What the, what wasn't a part of the plan was that their uh, you know their theme parks were all going to close and they were going to lose a billion dollars from the theme parks too. But Disney Plus has implemented all these things here lately too, where a lot of the movies that would come out in the theater right, and then they'd roll to Blu-ray digital release, and then they'd come months, 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 months later to the streaming service are already popping up on these streaming services. So, like, real quick, if you think about it, the, the last Star Wars movie, which is um, a movie, mm-hmm. was in December, right? Right. And it's May. It, it, it took five months for this thing to be in the theaters, have its run, release to purchase, and now be on a streaming service. Like, that is a real fast turnaround. Like, yeah. that's... That's crazy. That is maybe too fast. I don't know, but that's it's interesting to see once you know this time next year if they're going to push it back to like a normal rotation. But but you're right; they've got to get some agreement because that streaming service game is big right now. I would, um, I would think maybe game manufacturers would be in a, a real position to take advantage 
of this particular situation because with all this time in the house with people that you may not interact with in quite the way that you're interacting with them now, what's a better way to break that time down than a, than a board game or a card game or video game or whatever? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a real good point there too. So the ones, well, the obvious ones are, you know, we bought a, a switch, not knowing this would happen, but we play the switch almost every night as a, as a family. Um, uh, I've mentioned Call of Duty Warzone, which is free. It doesn't cost you anything. You just have to have uh, a console or a PC to play it on. But like that, perfect timing for that game, right? It came out just the right time. Something fresh, something new. It makes its money off of you buying uh, things, purchases within within the games. But um, we've played card games. We've played. A couple board games, but we've played a lot of card games. So that gaming industry, you're right, is another little sneaky thing that might see a nice uptick in just all platforms of gaming, not right. just the obvious ones. Um, we, we've we've got one called Throw Throw Burrito, where <laughs> you you it's a matching game, and then if you have certain matching cards, you actually have these little foam burritos that you pick up and you try to throw at another person. So it's <laughs> nice. You might, it's, it's if, a fun game, you know, if you so, like that, you probably like exploding kittens. Um, I would, I won't say it. Um, tell me more about this game. Well, I, I think I'll avoid trying to describe that one. It's been a little while since I played, but it's, it's a similar party style game that is just silly and cutesy. It doesn't sound cute with exploding uh, feline uh, <laughs> components, but it's uh, it's not a matching game, really. It's 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 more of a situational, I don't know if I want to call it Uno feel, but there, there's, there's, there's definitely some party card game mechanics, and it's just got cute artwork on it, something that the kids can enjoy and the parents can, and, you know, if not enjoy, then at least participate and not hate. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of a, a fun thing, but I know we've played nice. a lot, we've played a lot more board games in the last month and a half than we normally do. I mean, we already play board games when we can, but I mean, we've probably tripled the amount of games that we've played. Now, admittedly, we had already purchased some of the games that we were going to play. It was again, like your sure. sanitizer. We had already stocked up, but, uh, if we hadn't, I know we have been, we would have been, um, buying some more. I know that there are Magic the Gathering players in my household that are eagerly awaiting the new set that comes out tomorrow that they're picking up the cards for uh, curbside. Oh. So they're they're super excited about that. Yeah, just so many. And then there's just so many more that we're not thinking of. Oh, right? yeah. There's um, tons. Cook tons of different whatevers. You know, how many grills are being sold now? Mm -hmm. That's oh grills. Okay, Sorry. grills. I did not hear that quite the same way. It's like, are we are we delving into a dark subject? <laughs> uh, um, um, I'm sure that the um, industry of hiring is probably um, stepped up its game here recently. I don't know um, because those are carriers right there. I mean, you gotta. <laughs> You got to be careful. Your product is already, already potentially dangerous. Uh, just adding one more layer to it. Now that's that's a terrible. That's true. Idea. No, it's a premium. It's a premium product now. So cookbooks, maybe. Yes, uh, the the industry of flour. There's plenty of wheat for flour. Uh, they're not out of wheat. No, they're just. But they can't keep trouble up keeping production. Up. Correct, because so many are baking now, whether it's sourdough or whatever. So all of those things, you know, for a while it took us forever to find yeast. We couldn't find yeast anywhere because I wanted to make bread. When do I make bread? Never. So um, that's a nice little uptick in some of that industry, too. Yes, it's, it's just kind of amazing. It, maybe it's just a matter that some of these industries, if they aren't taking advantage of the the chance to really grow their business maybe it's a matter of advertising because advertising is really important getting your your stuff out to the public your your image your word out to the public is important like our own platforms that we're available on we are of course available on facebook and instagram at 
Pudding Guys. We are on Twitter at Real Pudding Guys, and we are even on Patreon, where for only one dollar a month you can help support the Pudding Guys as we bring new people to talk to, buy new things to talk into, and just generally upgrade our resources, upgrade our resources, get resources to upgrade and bring new things to you. Uh, always appreciated. Uh, we, we love our patrons. Um, we are going to be having something new coming up for that. And I think we'll be doing a, an episode. I, like I said, we're recording this mid-May right now. So I don't know when we will be talking about this specifically, but we're going to be talking about a new service that's going to be available probably July Looking at that, I had originally planned on it for June, but, you know, things sometimes get in the way, some unforeseen complications. But I think uh, I think we may be looking at, at, at July as the release date for something kind of fun. Uh, but otherwise, back to the show. Such a, such a medley that we have in our advertising, right? It's almost musical. A little bit of this. A little bit of that. Maybe some Megadeth underneath your hat. <laughs> Try a little song and dance. Oh, the transitions that we have. I I would say that we... Magical. We, we put any uh, late night talk show host right now <laughs> to shame with our transitions. Just uh, beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So we were wanting to talk a little bit about um, kind of a featured artist or a featured album that was kind of important in some way, shape, or form. You were talking about uh, Megadeth there. I know you were, that was uh, kind of the focus that you were going on. Which one were you talking about? So, you know, we love our 90s. Um, we love our 80s too, but we really love our um, 90s. So I was referring to the Megadeth album, Rust in Peace. Now, there are albums before that. One of my favorite, gosh, my first cds that i ever bought was countdown to extinction which was in 92 but the rust in peace album i would like to the reason that this is a spotlight for me right now why i've been listening to it a lot lately uh one i don't know uh two i'm gonna guess influences from youtube because i've seen a lot of random their the their current guitarist right now put out a bunch of youtube videos i didn't know it was the current guitarist i just started watching his youtube videos and he started playing megadeth songs so i just followed along the pathways and oh he's their guitarist now interesting but um i got back to rust in peace because it has just a couple of crucial songs that i think are industry favorites for the metal and for like the, the the heavy metal industry that are like technical songs that if you can learn to play this song you've kind of reached uh the pinnacle of your profession in a sense uh not and i'm not talking like thrash metal or speed metal i'm just talking like your regular heavy metal type stuff uh rust and peace has holy wars uh the punishment due on it and like i said i i feel like that's like an all-time classic heavy metal song but the whole album plays out really really well um it's short it's 10 songs but each song is really good and especially this era of Megadeth, I feel like is a combination of uh, a few things. We've talked about Metallica and some of our favorite albums are in that time frame as well. And Metallica has more of a heavier, um, more, I don't know, not, not fast, not hair, not 80s hair metal sound, right? But like a, a metal. It feels more, usually more produced, more precise than what you're going to get out of a Megadeth. More, just kind of cleaner? Um, y yes. Maybe maybe less technical, right? Right. Um, but it has that, not not grungier, but like that saltier metal feel to that it. That crunch. Yeah, but one thing that you miss, and it's joked about a lot, is especially with Injustice for All, you know, Master of Puppets, right? The Lightning is similar to uh, more Master of Puppets, but the the bass component of these albums 
especially in Justice for All, is next to nothing. They've been mixed out. They've been mastered out, right? Um, you can watch YouTube videos where people have altered the 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 album to increase the bass that is being performed in these albums. It's pretty interesting. But what you get out of Megadeth in this particular album, one is if you like your bass guitar with your metal, then this album definitely is for you, for sure. Uh, but also, if you like that technical uh, aspect where it just sounds like everybody that's playing a guitar on here is just going to town on, on their instruments, it's really good. It's just, you're in this era where 80s, the 80s hair bands like you know Motley Crue and Poison were just, I love Motley Crue. They're one of my favorites, for sure. But the transition was at this time period to go from that hair metal type of stuff and you're moving into the grunge era. But what you get out of this one is the kind of that mix. You get some of that, I feel like, that 80s hair metal uh, type of sound to it with some heavy metal sound. It's like a combination of the two things. And if you like that era's metal music, I, I think this album is one that should definitely be revisited if you have listened to it but haven't in a while or haven't listened to it and you can pick it up on streaming service yeah rust in peace by megadeth is really 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 good yeah it's, it's got a lot of popularity behind it i mean that band has always been one that makes me just a little bit sad uh only because i see how skillful everything is put together and i love the music part, and then as soon as they're singing, it's like, oh no, you ruined it. It was so good until now. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's that's one of those personal things where somebody's voice is just going to hit you wrong, and for whatever reason, uh, Mustaine is just, I, I can't. Oh, I, I have this, the same thing. Like I, 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 I echo the same sentiment. I just... For for me, his voice doesn't grate on me like it does you. But then we have other artists that are this similar vein where you enjoy them, but the the the, the vocals for me are just they just don't do it. They just right. they just don't come across. So it's definitely a, a a preference thing. But if you and Megadeth's an interesting band, they've got way too many albums. Like just Indeed. so many albums. And the artists that are featured on those albums, they, they come and go and come and go and come and go. And there's only been a few that have just been there for the majority of them. So this, this album and a couple of them after, like this is, I think, like the, the best of Megadeth. And there are, there are definitely some albums before this, definitely some albums later on that have good songs and good sound to them. But starting with this one and a few after it are, are to me, the crucial time frame and a really like this. I feel like this album is really, really important to that era and to that metal genre. Like this is, right. if you don't like Megadeth, like this album's still way high on that. It's got to be important. Importance. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things where I, I talk to my dad about this all the time. He is a huge fan of Elvis who I cannot stand at all, but I cannot deny the importance of, of his place in music history. Um, uh, as, as kind of as a, a, a block of how a lot of people were introduced to certain types of music. Um, now, yep. for, for me, the album that I'm thinking of specifically is an album that I've mentioned before briefly, but haven't really gotten too deep into as to why I think it's important. But that is the album uh, Diamonds and Pearls by Prince. Now, a lot of big Prince fans are not going to point to this album as being their favorite Um and a lot of them will downplay, I think, some of the importance. But, I mean, a lot of people love Purple Rain. A lot of people love 1999. Um, Prince made a lot of albums, too. Uh, not, not all of them saw the light of day. But uh, he, was, he was somebody that wanted to make a lot of music all the time. And he wanted to make different music. And he wanted to kind of progress as an artist. And in the 80s, he had a very clear sound. I mean, it, it moved a little bit. But it didn't move a ton. Now, when this particular album came out in 89, 89, 90, somewhere in there, um, the thing that I noticed about it 
that just kind of stuck out to me was uh, this was when he brought in the the new power generation was his kind of backup uh, uh, group that he had with him. So past the Sheena Easton and, and all that sort of stuff. But this group had a real root in certain types of music and you started getting an integration of rap into a pop song which at this point in time was not very common i mean it only happened a handful of times before this particular album from other artists i mean yeah people point to blondie back in the day and sure that's got a pop song with rap in it i don't know if i really count that uh, because the style of, of music that that was 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 not rooted in R&B and, and that sort of thing. But this was a heavily uh, R&B rooted sound that introduced a component of rap into the song itself as a as a guest portion of the track and blended it in a way that I had not seen other bands do at this level of quality to this point. Uh, even even to the sense that, that Prince raps on one of the tracks, if you can call it that. But it actually, because it's Prince, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of one of those things. A Minnesota rap. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to represent when you're only four feet tall. Um, but, uh, you know, he uh, there were a couple of songs on this that are just so listenable that that I can hear over and over. Now, a lot of people will point to Diamonds and Pearls, which I think is actually my least favorite song on the album for a couple of different reasons. One, it got played on the radio forever. And so that, that'll that run things into the ground. But uh, songs like uh, uh, Cream is kind of a fun, slower, funky-sounding song. It's really great. Um, uh, Daddy Pop is is, uh, again, just got kind of a, an energy to it that a lot of things don't have. Uh, Live for Love has almost a, a very rock and roll kind of feel and sound to it in, in parts. Um, Push is one of the ones that really melds that rap in there super, super well. And in fact, does one of the things where you trade from person to person doing, uh, uh, doing verses. Um, uh, but they even have... Uh, Things like uh, Strollin', which is almost a, uh, a 20s, 1920s, 1930s sounding song. I mean, so, so there's just this wide variety of sounds built into this album, but it still all falls under the singular umbrella and integrates rap. It's just, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I feel like I most, most of the albums that he has, there's one, two, three, four songs that are just, you know, everybody knows. Right. Right. And I'm not familiar enough with his album collection to know. I know, like you said, the, the ones that you mentioned, uh, 1999, uh, Purple Rain, uh, a couple right. of things. Uh, don't forget the Batman soundtrack, right? Uh, that was actually a really good album. I mean, both the, the one he did and the, 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 the orchestral uh, album for that were both great. Yeah, but I, I know what you're saying. This one this one was released in 91. So you're out of that 80s pop era, right? You're it's kind of like what we talk about from the 80s hair metal kind of transitioning into the 90s grunge. Well, it's the same thing that it just in other types of music, that 80s pop sound uh, although it was great in quotation marks, uh People were done with it, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a nice transition, and we know now that the most popular music in the world is is some type of, you know, rap, hip hop, something like that. It, it whether it's our favorite or not, its popularity has just skyrocketed. And I imagine that this is about that time frame where some of our favorite artists were coming into in, into play too. You know, like Snoop and Dr. Dre and stuff like that. Right. But um, this is Tupac. This is that era, right? This is the album for Prince in that era that you're right is ushering in a new transition of sound. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. It is the heights of the heights between Prince and uh, Megadeth. 
And now we go to the depths of the depths with our continuation of the history of comic book movies. <laughs> Another amazing yes. transition. Um, we are going to be talking about The Spirit in 2008. Now, did did I remember correctly? You told me that you had seen this film? Yes. Uh, I had seen it once, and that was enough. <laughs> uh, did you make it all the way through? Uh, yes, I'm pretty sure. I have no recollection no recollection of this movie even if the movie's bad but it's got these like awesome scenes in it you tend to remember the scenes you might not remember the story or how good a character was or wasn't but you might remember at least a scene from that movie and i don't remember anything from this movie so i had somehow managed to not see this movie i mean i'd seen snippets here and there hadn't watched the whole thing but you know what i gotta give this a chance i'm still filling out my a collection of movies based on comics because that's you know my focus. That's what I want. Um, good, bad, or ugly, I want all of them. And I had not seen this. I found it cheap. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a watch on Blu-ray. So this seems like a film that on on its face should be phenomenal. So it's based on a property that's a comic strip that most people are not familiar with anymore. Right? Or not a comic strip, but a uh, comic character, right? Yes. If you say spirit, most people think spirit, stallion of the Cimarron. Yeah. So, I mean, horse book. and I have to clarify, technically not a comic book. It's a comic strip. So it was in newspapers. So I'm stretching, but it's current enough that I'm, I'm getting away from some of the others. If we, if we had uh, done movies based on comic strips when we started this, we'd have been stuck in the 1920s and 1930s for like years. There are so many of them. But um, so this is a property that people aren't real familiar with, but look at how well Dick Tracy did. Very stylized, uh, with a good cast. It was fun. It kind of popped, great colors, that sort of thing. So you've got a property you can kind of do what you want with. You're going to put a hot person behind the screen and charge of it with Miller who had just come off of uh, Sin City and all that and understood the aesthetics had had a, a love of the source material if I remember correctly already anyway um, you're going to put a ridiculous cast on this I mean you've got Jamie King and Gabriel Macht who if you haven't watched Suits is a fantastic show I love that show um, You've got Eva Mendez, who I generally like in most pretty much everything. You've got Samuel Jackson, who is Samuel Jackson. So why wouldn't you watch him in most things? Scarlett Johansson's in it. Uh, Sarah Paulson does, you know, a, a turn in this. I mean, you've just got this really, really, really good cast. I mean, names yeah, it, everywhere. Eric Balfour, right? Which, if you, if you, he's probably like one of the minor characters, but like you recognize that face. He's good. He's did a lot of cool things. You're right. The cast in this is just killer. I mean, even Ooh, the show Gabrielle. Yeah. Small parts. Stana Kedic is in it. If you ever watch Castle, she's phenomenal in that show. She has chops. And truthfully, she was one of the bright spots for me in this movie. She, she did good with her, uh, with her bit. So you've got this amazing cast, a property you can be flexible with, a guy that knows what he's doing behind the helm, and you're going to use the same kind of stylized, very visceral, um, strong, um, not monochromal, but very simple color palette kind of scheme like has been done in the past. This should just be a runaway hit, and it's not. Makes you want to run away and hit something. I had a hard time getting through this movie. It's, It just... It didn't work. I had to think about it. Why Why did I dislike this movie so much? I mean, because I like the people that put it together, and they're obviously trying. What What is it that's not working? And it just kind of hit me. Um, what made Sin City so impressive in the way that it used the stylized violence? You saw everything. There was no holding back. What made Dick Tracy work? It was kind of campy, and it was not trying to do the fourth wall break, tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. They thought they were serious, but it was campy. So it worked. Mm -hmm. 
they didn't do that with this. They they pulled back, and it, it, I almost felt like they were staring at the camera half the time. They they limited themselves because they I don't think they wanted that kind of harder um, rating, even though you got some uh, uh, rear nudity on, on Eva Mendez, although I don't know if it was actually her. That might have been a, a double. But, I mean, but they held back. If you're going to go for an R rating on something that's like this, it's going to be stylized and violent, do it. And they didn't. It was just kind of the fights were not great. The exposition was clunky. Uh, it was cheesy in a painful kind of way. It just it didn't strut very well. Uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson in a Nazi outfit. That's just weird. Yeah, they, well, he was he was a not great, right? Uh, he was. It was not his best performance of all time. Yeah, that's me. Like I said, I don't remember much, if if anything, from this movie. But I just remember, like, maybe he was out of place, or it just didn't seem right. I, I, like I said, I have no reason to go back and watch this movie. I I don't think it was him. I mean, you give him something to work with, he'll he'll make something happen more often than not. I mean, just take a look at Kingsman as a perfect example of that. That character was cheesy and stupid, and he made it work because the writing was just good enough for it to be really entertaining. Yeah. It was not there in this film. I think it has to lay at the writing on this. It was just it was just awkward and, and painful. But uh, now that we've seen it and talked about it, you don't have to watch it. <laughs> it's a, I mean, if you love Frank Miller, go ahead and... Knock yourself out. Watch anything You're going to be disappointed. Yeah, no, this, this film is just terrible. Uh, and again, of course, we always couch that. It's a perspective thing, but uh, there's a large contingent of people that all agree this movie just is not good. Yeah, it's not It's not just us that no. doesn't like this. And you can't always trust uh, critics. No. Uh, but, but uh, you know, that is what it is. But we'd love to have your opinion. Have you seen the movie? Did you lose sleep after watching it? <laughs> was it as bad to you as it was to us? Let us know in, in any of our social media or, of course, in our forums on the website. It is always open, at least until we get rid of it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, we'd, we'd always love to get your feedbacks. If you have a, a topic you would like us to talk about, let us know. We'll always consider it. But until next time, stay home, stay safe, stay medicated. Intoxicated. (laughs) Sayonara. Sayonara.